For as much as I lean left and believe that I am right, I believe we are all somewhat to blame. We are all guilty, all of us, of under-understanding the truth of things, the truth of people, and instead allowing our biases to guide our points of view. Welcome to Insert Human. This is a show that is not for everyone. It's for seekers, people like you, hopefully, who are searching for solutions to your problems, the world's problems, and everything in between. The conversations to come are going to show you how finding the truth of our humanity is the magic key to solving pretty much anything. Between my monologues, my dialogues with brilliant guests, and your good questions, you're going to learn how to insert human into everything, and in doing so, realize a better life and one day a better world. So we sit pretty precariously on the edge of an election outcome that may permanently change the course of our country and potentially the rest of the world. And uh, I suggest we all sit back and channel that famous Talking Heads song written by David Byrne, who once said or wrote or sang, how did we get here? How is it possible that our melting pot country, a nation of opportunity built by immigrants for immigrants, has somehow devolved into a pot of division, incivility, and even hatred? A nation not united, but broken in two, fueled by fear, anger, and I think a fundamental misunderstanding on both sides. Yes, both sides. For as much as I lean left and believe that I am right, I believe we are all somewhat to blame. We are all guilty, all of us, of under-understanding the truth of things, the truth of people, and instead allowing our biases to guide our points of view, our decisions, and at times our vitriol. Paradoxically, as the world has become more global and our interconnectedness more obvious, I actually believe our biases have increased. And as much as we think we have made progress with racial and gender equality, I actually think it's not true. Sure, women can vote. And sure, we don't structurally segregate. But what's going on with the Black Lives Matter protests as one example is pretty much proof positive that most of us have been kidding ourselves, suppressing our supremacist truth that fundamentally will look at those not like us as people to be wary of, as people that are less than us, as people who might take things from us. It's those labels that we hold up as flags when things get squirrely. And what's going on right now is squirrely. And now that we are a nation made up largely of not like us, many of us are freaking out. The bias fire is fueled, I think, by change first, fear second, and a lack of intellectual rigor third. This is really Maslow's hierarchy of need stuff. And if you don't know about Maslow's hierarchy of need, you should check it out. A psychologist in the 50s studied human behavior, came up with this simple hierarchy, and I refer to it probably on a daily basis. The gist of it is the vast majority of our behaviors, the vast majority of our decisions are fueled by our subconscious constant quest to meet very basic needs, one of which is the need to be in control, which is partly why we suck at change. And the world, as we all know, is changing really, really quickly. We all feel the pressure. 
We all worry about our own long-term relevance and our own ability to meet our needs. We worry about our kids' futures, and when the unknown appears to dominate the known, our little reptilian brains kick in, fear takes over, and bias becomes the only lens we are capable of looking through. Fundamentally, I think bias makes us see what is not there and not see what is. It thwarts our ability to listen. It's the arch enemy of objectivity. It's the source code for polarization and partisanship and the magic elixir for believing we understand what's going on when we really don't. This is where the lack of rigor comes in. And Maslow, once again, our nature is not to dig in, not to study, not to take responsibility for knowing the facts and the truth. Our nature is not to form our own truly individual and well-informed opinions, but rather to follow our biases and declare our unfounded beliefs because, well, that's pretty much the easiest path. And we also have a tendency to seek people that have beliefs like ours, in part because there's a subconscious view of strength in numbers, and also in part because we love joining clubs. We love being with people just like us. And as much as some of us believe that the truth will set us free, our biases are so strong that they create blinders to the facts and a remarkable capacity to reject data that clearly refutes whatever it is we believe in. In fact, and this is one of the most alarming things I uncovered in my research, research shows that when someone is shown data, that it is the opposite of what they believe. They actually believe what they believe more. That is the insidious power of bias. The question then is how do we eschew something so insidious, so built into us, part of our DNA? How can we reunite as a country and maybe even a world around a foundation of truth, objectivity, and shared understanding of what is good and not good for all. I think we have to start with some self-reflection on where our biases come from, reflection that might prove helpful. And we might see that it's one part primal, hardwired, one part cultural, and two parts situational. Bias, our bias, is the combined consequence of our very distant past, our recent past, and our perceived future. And it dominates our present because most of us are afraid. So if we can hypothesize the cause, can we mitigate the effect? Can we change the way we're looking at the world? I believe there are only two motivators of change, behavior change specifically, desperation or aspiration. Desperation, I think, has been dominating our behavior, deepening, not lessening our biases. And so the only choice is aspiration, but not aspiration for us or me, aspiration for them and for all. And that's the trick. The only way we reunite is for the majority to desire to reunite, to place the good of the whole above what serves us individually, and to prove the integrity of our collective aspiration by packing it up with action and sacrifice. Yes, I said the word sacrifice. Again, the only way to remove bias is to take actions and make sacrifices that eliminate fear. And to eliminate fear, we must provide clearer pathways for people to deal with inevitable change while challenging them gently to do the hard work, apply the rigor, to understand what they need to understand in order to evolve. We must give each other a voice while demanding that all of our voices be heard and be steeped in the objective truth. 
And we must make the education of ourselves a central tenet of citizenship, not simply in school, but for life. Bottom line is this. If we do not evolve, we will suffer. And in our suffering, we will further divide. As fear dissipates to be replaced by love, bias can slowly be replaced by empathy and understanding. More and more of us will look at the world not through our tinted and tainted glasses, but instead through the glasses of the other person. Then, and only then, do we stand a chance of uniting and of ultimately one day being one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening today. If you're in search of more opportunities to realize positive change in your life or work, and you find what I have to say helpful, you can always subscribe to my show, check out one of my new salons, there are weekly virtual gatherings of like-minded folks. You can read some of my writings or just listen to one of the talks that I've given around the world over the last couple of years. And you can do it all at chriscolbert.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for my ongoing email updates. When you do, you'll receive a free copy of the first chapter of my about-to-be-published book, Technology is Dead. Again, it's all available at chriscolbert.com. Thanks again for listening today, and I look forward to connecting more in the days ahead.